All right, good day, everyone, and welcome back to Ace's Four Wheel Drive Podcast. I uh, am happy to be here to record episode two. Amelia is dropped off at daycare. Arya is on the bus, and uh, the wife is off to work. So let's uh, let's get her going. So there's been a few different topics that have come up since our last time of uh, connecting. Obviously, the regular season of the SHL is now complete. Um, Playoffs are pending. Um, Obviously, there's some sort of delay with JR due to some personal issues. So I hope uh, heartfelt uh, concern. I hope everything is all right with uh, everyone in JR's uh, real-life family. Um, So specifically to the Wolfpack, obviously, it doesn't take a whole lot of deductive uh, reasoning to figure out that you know we did ultimately fall short so we're going to have a lottery draft pick in this lot uh, in this upcoming draft so that's exciting because I uh, I do think that you know while it is probably compared to other draft classes in, in recent memory this was probably a little bit of a shallow one but I do think that the top end is quite top end so I'm optimistic we're going to get a great piece here in this draft so I'm very very excited to see how that shakes down so, moving forward, I've spent a little bit of time here the last couple of weeks taking a look at the Wolf Pack, and it looks like we've got arguably three or four more rookies that are going to be making the jump next season on the roster. So, the future is incredibly bright here in New England. Um, looks like Gordy Boomover maybe even starting as our second line center next season, which is which is pretty cool. It's going to be nice getting the active players in those roles that have been, you know, borderline quiet for so, so long. So I also wanted to kind of talk a little bit. I didn't do a full analysis or anything like that on the whole Calgary Dragons fiasco. And I've got a good relationship with Izzy. So, um, I mean, I got to say, they probably set themselves up for a little bit of a bad experience simply because the post claimed that that logo was made um, from scratch by Mike Izzy, like completely by their own brand Izzy or whatever, you know, that, you know, if they didn't say that, I don't think anyone would have had an issue with it. You know, it still has the C for Calgary, which, you know, everybody really wants to have the representation of the location of their team as well in their logo. So that's always nice and neat and everything. But, but yeah, I mean, it was basically introduced as a brand new original logo and it wasn't one. It was, a, it was basically a direct rip from a bunch of YouTubers that do Fortnite and shit like that. So I get why there's some pushback. Let's just say, though, about that pushback, some people really need to fucking figure things out because that's a little overboard, guys. You know, do you have nothing better to do than to be in there and just shitting on people? You know, that's part of the issue with the community sometimes here in the SHL is... You know, the internet personality perseveres. You know, you don't have to have a day-to-day relationship with these people face-to-face. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to work with these people on a daily basis. So there's no reason for you to be a common, decent human being. You can just be a fucking asshole because you know there's no repercussions. That's the biggest thing with today in the SHL and the internet in general. It's that level and, and layer of anonymity that allows you to be shrouded from any kind of responsibility. 
And, you know, I find myself doing it sometimes, too. I can be an asshole. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows Ace can go over the line sometimes. But, you know, I don't... I try to maintain a level of respect and a level of responsibility. And I try to take account and and responsibility for my actions, too, if I ever do cross the line. And I, I can't say the same about everyone else in this community. With that said, there's obviously a ton of people that are you know, upstanding, good people and, and respectful individuals. And, you know, I'm not going to go through a list of that. You know who you are. Um, so there's plenty of people that kind of break that mold. And I'm hoping, you know, as we continue to grow as a community, we can maybe step away from, you know, knee jerk reactions and just being dicks in general. So I've got to pump some gas. I'll be right back and we'll pick this right back up in a second and we'll dive right in and start taking some questions. All right, we're all filled back up. Tank is good to go, and I'm ready to dive in and do some questions here as I finish my drive into the office. So, I just gotta say, spoiler alert, so if you haven't watched the most recent episode of Game of Thrones, um, not really super impressed with the season eight. I know this is a little bit off topic, but I know a lot of SHLers are into Game of Thrones, so I just finished watching that last night, and, uh, Whew. I really thought that, you know, although this is George R.R. Martin's ending, I thought that season eight was really rushed to get to where they got. I think that they could have handled it in a much, much better manner. So I guess I didn't really use any spoilers after all, but I just had to, to throw that out there real quick, kind of give you my uh, initial feedback and my initial thoughts on the ending of my favorite show in the world. So anyways, let's go to the questions here. Bluesfan55 asks, why and how... Will the St. Louis Blues sweep Boston in the Stanley Cup Finals here? So I gotta say, first off, I'm impressed with you having the balls to to suggest that the Blues would make the finals at the time that you did. Mainly because they were actually trailing in that series, I believe, when you said that. Um, so obviously they're one win away from advancing to the Cup Finals against my Boston Bruins, and. Uh, I'm incredibly excited to see how that goes, but I uh, I think it'll be an interesting final, whoever we get, the Sharks or the Blues. But, you know, let's talk hypothetically, if your St. Louis Blues make the finals against my Boston Bruins, here's a couple of the reasons why the Blues may have success against my team. Number one, the curse of the sweep. Every team that's moved on or sorry, every team that's actually swept someone, for the most part, there's one exception, I can't remember the name of the team. Um, every team that's swept has gotten swept in the following rounds. So, for example, um, oh, the only the only uh, exception is Columbus there, by the way. Um, so, for example, the Islanders sweep the Penguins in round one. The Hurricanes come in and sweep the Islanders in round two. The Bruins come in and sweep the Hurricanes in round three. So that pattern would seem to indicate that the Blues or the Sharks will come right on in and sweep the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final. So that's uh, that's probably the worst possible outcome that could happen here. You know, I'm super optimistic about this team. Tuka Rask is playing the best goaltending that he has ever played in his career. And uh, I, I think that we've got 
the, the probably the deepest scoring lineup out there in the league right now. So the other reason why the Blues may have success against my team is the layoff. The Bruins have had an unprecedented, I think, 11 days off since their last game against the Hurricanes. Unprecedented amount of rest. So they're having to find a way to stay sharp, to stay on top of things, to be ready, to jump right back into game shape. It's not like you have a whole lot of runway to get back up and going and to, to gain speed here. You know, they, they came off a hard-fought first series against Toronto. It was basically a seven-game series. They had them on the ropes a couple of times where we fought back from elimination and actually came back. Sorry, it was, uh, sorry, the Toronto series was a seven-game series. The, the Columbus series, another really hot, hard-fought series, basically a seven-gamer. So two really, really um, hard-fought, in-depth, in-the-trenches series only to sweep Carolina and get an extreme amount of rest that the team hasn't really had. So, so I think that that may be a negative, but I also think that because our core is a little bit older than some of the other teams that are playing, you know, we've got, you know, Krejci and Bergeron. Now, those guys aren't old per se, but they certainly aren't a spring chicken here. So Zdeno Chara, 42 years old, you know, our core is a little bit older. So I think that they have the experience to kind of nullify that amount of concern there for me. And I think with their age, a little bit more time off will help them get some of the, the bumps and bruises healed a little bit more and be ready to go. So those are a couple of reasons why I think maybe your Blues could be successful against the Bruins. But if you ask my heart, if you ask my head, I've got Bruins in six, baby, and we're going to capture our seventh Stanley Cup. Anyways, back to the SHL. Why is the season 36 class the greatest in Scarecrow's history? I believe, I believe that we, you know, I can't honestly say we're the greatest one because I don't know enough about Scarecrow's history. I think that we're a damn good class. You know, obviously we're, we're old players now, but I think between just the four that kind of come up to mind right off the top of my head, that all became star players in the SHL. You know, you've got Teddy Cuddles, who's one of the premier power forwards in the game. You've got Roman Augustus, which is, uh, you know, defenseman turned center, who's won multiple Stanley, or, uh, multiple Challenge Cups. You've got, uh, you know, you yourself, um, Lombardi, who's been kind of like a, uh, a journeyman in his career, but he's been very re- respectful and, and, and he's put together quite a career. He's, uh, he's a good sniper, a high-level player, so um, he's made quite a name for himself. And, and then now Biddies, who's probably going to – he's also another, you know, position changer, but he's a forward-turned-defenseman as needed by the Wolf Pack. But he's probably having his name in consideration for the Stevens Trophy for the best – um, defenseman this year. So I, I'm pleasantly pleased. I'm, I'm, I, I think that our class is probably definitely one of the best ones that came out of season 36. So I uh, I think that that probably adequately answers your question. Next question. If you don't, if you didn't apologize for bullying you when I, when you were a youngin, please do know I never bullied you. I think I thought you were. I still do sometimes. I think that you're kind of annoying sometimes. But hey, you know, that's just me being candid. I'm sure, plenty of people have to say the same thing about me. But obviously, you've grown up a little bit, and you're not the same kid that you were then. So, you know, that happens to everyone. So, why is Joseph Lombardi the greatest short player in SHL history? 
Um, I'm going to skip that one. Why were we all omitted from the Scarecrows alumni game? Because the current GM doesn't have any idea of the history of the team from when we were around. He just basically looked through the record books and just handpicked people that he knew and didn't actually have any context on the active players that are still going, that are major players in the league today and directly tied to the Scarecrows. And I'm not saying he did a bad job because it's not exactly an easy thing to appease everyone. You know, I think Nick Dox did what he could do and, you know, you can't expect everyone to bat 100 every single time. So um, on to the next question from Mike Izzy. What things do you believe the site slash league can do better? That's a really blanket statement is, um, you know, the overarching thing that I've had feedback wise from people that I'd like to bring back from way back when is that, you know, the, some of the other leagues make updating and banking and everything significantly easier than what we do. There's a lot of monotonous manual data entry in our system and there's got to be a way. And I know, I know Bojo is working on that, but there's got to be a way to improve that process. So I've kind of talked a little bit about, you know, uh, the banking updating and, and automated banking that Bojo is working on. I don't know the weeds behind it. I'm not a developer. I don't know the technical background. I know it's not an easy thing to code, but from the mockups I've seen, it's pretty, pretty intriguing and pretty, uh, you know, exciting to see coming along. I think if we could get that adapted into an updating system, that would go a tremendously long way to keeping people active and keeping new people interested. You know, that whole update thread process that we have, you know, having to manage your own math. And I know we try to dummy proof it as much as possible, but not a lot of people want to have to worry about, oh, is this capped? Am I over my cap TPE? Oh my gosh. You know, what does this 1.5 uncapped mean? What is a point five? Like, there's got to be a way to automate this process. Oh, how do I get this into my update scale? Oh, I, this isn't one of my strengths. Oh, the updater missed this. We've really got to be able to make this an easier process for everyone, especially the people that don't know what they're doing. So I guess if I would like to see anything improved in the league, that would probably be it. Why was Teddy Cuddles the best asset you ever traded for? Well, I got to say, I did not make that trade. That was all Carl. I mean, I was definitely an advocate for Teddy Cuddles because I loved playing with him in St. Louis and I wanted to have a teammate on my team in Edmonton. So I think that uh, that Carl was the best uh, GM that, that uh, ever traded for the best asset in, in Teddy Cuddles there. So um, anyways, I loved playing with you, Teddy. You know that. So I'm, I'm happy to have shared a locker with him for locker room with you for so long how was the transition from edmonton to new england <laughs> all right well i've already been on uh you know king and luke's podcast once talking about this stuff and i won't reiterate it or anything like that but it was uh you know i'll kind of look at it from two standpoints and i'm going to answer this kind of briefly here so the transition personally for ace the person was not fun not fun at all because uh, the culture there that was in place in New England when I came, I came on board was very much a different one than what I had left and, and what I have created now. You know, it was uh, people that, you know, only cared about themselves. And I'm not saying that as a negative way. I mean that they didn't want an outsider coming in to run the team. They wanted a member of their culture to take over the reins once Toivo left. And when I was given the team, I was not part of their team, their culture. I didn't really fit in as well as maybe I thought I would. And it didn't go well. I mean, you had Storm who decided that there's no way in hell he'd ever want to play with, 
with me because I'm an outside guy and I've said some questionable things in the past and you know it basically caused a mass exodus and you know what I'm glad it happened because now the team is heading in a direction that it really needs to you know we've got some really good players that want to be members of the wolf pack and and you know they don't need to fit this societal cookie cutter thing that they had going on they could kind of everyone could be themselves and not worry about being you know judged for that and you know you don't necessarily have to um it is what it is you know it was it wasn't easy and i think now that that process is done personally i'm I'm very happy so i don't need to say anything more than that um for the player it was difficult too because edmonton went on and and won the cup like two seasons later because biddies would have a cup right now if i never left i also had to make that change from center to defense and i think doing that really kind of tarnishes a player's legacy in the end of things you know it's not like you could be like oh you know i had 25 seasons as a defenseman i can compare myself directly against defensemen over the course of my career i can't do that now because half my career is spent as a forward and, you know obviously i haven't gotten there yet but half of it's going to be spent as a defenseman so it's kind of it kind of sucks as a player as well but you know i think once i get my once once Biddy's finally hangs him up and I get another player going, I can really worry about my player's legacy at that point, and then you know I can kind of turn the page. Um, next question: Which young players on the pack are you most excited for? Now that's a good question. I love that question. So we have so many awesome young players coming up with the New England Wolf Pack. Um, obviously, we had a bunch of rookies start this season. You know, Perry Morgan, Guy Zhang, Dick Clapper. These guys had awesome, awesome rookie seasons. And I'm super stoked for what they were able to do in their, their rookie season. I think, honestly, Guy Zhang probably has a, um, a right to, to talk and ask for the Jester Trophy. You know, I think he's only seven points back of the leading point scorer from his draft, uh, from, from his rookie class, and maybe a little bit more than that, maybe like 13. But still, he's the top-scoring defenseman. And if you aggregate all the things that he was able to do as a player this season, he was the top fantasy scoring rookie from this season. So that takes into account all of his shot blocks. I believe he was like fourth or fifth on the entire leaderboard. He was above Biddy's in shot blocks. So that says something about his um, his performance this season. And I think that between his hits, his shot blocks, and his minutes played, as well as his points production, he should really get some serious consideration for the rookie of the year. It's not all about scoring goals, so they definitely need to take a hard look at what he was able to do. Um, Dick Clapper, he's a sniper in the making. I'm excited to see what he's able to do in his career. Um, there's been a bunch of really, really great players that, that made their start with us this season. Um, and then in the wings, I've got Gordy Boomover, who's going to step right in as our second-line center next season. I'm incredibly excited to see what he's able to do. Um, we've got Echo Van Otter coming in. Um, oh, another rookie that played. He was a true rookie. Uh, um, Kobasa Kok. Uh, I, I can't even know. Primislav Brzevidovic. Um, I apologize, PB. But he uh, he was a, a true rookie of ours and stepped right in on the third line. And he's, he's been immense and a great guy in the locker room. Funny, funny guy when he does his media, too. So they're very, very exciting. So anyways, next season coming up, we've got a bunch more rookies. Um, Echo Van Otter. Um, he was somebody I really, really, really coveted in the draft, and I was happy to make a trade to get him, secure him into my lineup here for the future. 
Um, we've got Slapping Shoddy, another first round pick that's going to be probably anchoring our third line center role. Um, he's been an, uh, a very pleasant surprise in our locker room. He's got an immense potential and I think he could be a member of our team for a long, long time. Um, we've got Joseph Larocque, um, Blix, he's, he's going to be a good sniper down the road, good American sniper. Um, it's nice to have a kid from New England that may be um, making the team in the long run. Um, we've got uh, Zach La Liberté. Um, he's going to be really, really promising as well. Another good scoring forward. So we've got we've got a lot of really good forwards coming down the pipe. But I think I've talked about this already once. This upcoming draft, we're probably going to be targeting a defenseman with our first round pick. So I'm hoping to add him to kind of fill the gap once uh, you know Bodis and Bathory are are done and they return to LA. So that player can just kind of slot back in. Uh, on our third pairing until he's ready for more minutes. Um, let's take a look at some of the other questions that we got here. You already asked all these questions, Blues. I don't know why you had to ask them all again. Um, Second Sucks asks, if the Islanders swept the Penguins and the Carolina swept the Islanders and Boston sweeps Carolina, why is the Stanley Cup coming? I already talked about this. Next! Uh, Sammy asks, why didn't you draft me? Uh, Sammy, I, I was pretty clear that I really wanted you. I know Gordy really, really wanted you. Um, but I always was looking at at Otto, at Otter, sorry. Um, I mean, I traded up for him. And, you know, if if JSS did what he said and, and kind of hinted at what he was going to do, he mentioned that he was just going to draft Otter anyway just to fucking steal him from me because JSS can be a, a petty little shit. Um, I was going to pick you up. So thankfully I had you where they're waiting in the wings and I hope you have a very, very good career. Um, I, I, that's all I can say. So sorry it didn't work out that way, but you're in a good situation and you'll do very, very well. Joe says, welcome to the world of SHL podcasting. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Um, this season should be done by the time you read this. So what was your overall take on everything that happened? Playoff predictions. Um, Sure. So overall take is I think that we actually performed better than what I thought we would. So I'm, I'm pleased with the season. We had a lot of really young players making their debuts and, and we fought for a playoff spot up until the very last moment. You know, it was kind of a, a strange season and a funny season because if you looked at the overall um, extra point games, you know, those shootout and overtime losses, I think we finished with like 11 or 12, which is an unprecedented amount of overtime and shootout losses so I was kind of uh, I was kind of laughing about that you know but it's also kind of a I wanted to kind of kick myself in the balls about it too because you know you win three or four of those if you just go like 300 on those losses that we got there um, we would have made the postseason now if we got in there it's not like we would have done anything our team is too young our goaltender too inexperienced our forwards not quite there to really contend yet with the likes of New Orleans and Edmonton and, you know, West Kendall. So um, I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise that we didn't get there. So we can get another good pick earlier than what everyone else is. So um, it's kind of my thought on what, what everything kind of shake down at. Um, specific to playoff predictions, um, I think it's uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of leap of faith here to, to say that West Kendall's going to advance to the Eastern Conference uh, a championship. Uh, I think that they're going to represent the East in the Challenge Cup Finals. 
Um, I think it's going to come down to Edmonton and New Orleans in the West. And I think New Orleans is going to prevail in seven. And I do believe, and you're going to like this because you asked it, I do believe that New Orleans will be hosting or hoisting the Challenge Cup over their heads after six games against the West Kendall platoon at the end of things. Now, I don't know if that's what I actually put in my playoff thread. I really just kind of let my eyes gloss over and just, you know, pick at random almost with some educated semblance of evaluation behind it. But I, I think it's, I think it'll be New Orleans over West Kendall and seven shows. So I'll expect my payment of $3 million SHL dollars to be wired over after that. Uh, Tigwell Biddy should be the front runner for the Stevens, but Cal is clearly just making close with the formula geared towards himself looking better. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably the case. I think that he's really devaluing, you know, the average minutes per game and time on ice is like a negative thing, which, I mean, I understand why he's coming up with that formula that he is and why he's uh, assigning a negative because technically if you're on the ice more, you have a higher chance of contributing offensively and collecting shot blocks and, you know, collecting hits. But you got to also take into account the endurance of your player and all these other different things. If you're on a team, you know, you could also say, hey, as easily, you know, Tigwell Biddies had Maximilian Egger as his D partner the entire season. Who did who did Brady McIntyre have? How many secondary assists did, you know, um, uh, Brady McIntyre collect versus how many primary assists? You know, I can guarantee you, I think that there was an article on, you know, some advanced stats. Tigwell Biddies led the league in primary assists, or he was like pretty damn close to leading it all for primary assists. A primary assist should mean a hell of a lot more for offensive contribution than a secondary assist. And Biddy still led the league in, in points production from the blue line. So, you know, I think that Brady McIntyre had an awesome season. I think he's going to win the Stevens before his career is done. But God damn it, Biddy's deserves it this year. Please don't let my career go to waste. We'll go back to the questions here. When you retire Biddies in season 60, trade him to me. I'll still need defense. Joe, I will never trade Biddies to you. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. After how much of my money, SHL dollars, went towards helping the Scarecrows, and all you guys gave me was a goddamn trophy named after me and two other players? You couldn't even give me my own trophy? I had to share it with Roman Augustus, who you always wanted to be your captain anyway, and... And Dizzy, that's a cop-out. That's a cop-out and a half. Low effort. Sad. Sad. That was sad, Joe. Very sad. I'm still salty about it. And that has to do, uh, that's going to do it all for questions. So no more questions. So um, I appreciate all of you guys that came in and, and asked me questions. I'm looking forward to, to answering more of them for next week. So um, I'm going to cut it off for now and come up with some more topics and we'll um, finish up this episode later on. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll uh, join you back here momentarily. All right, hey, guys. I'm back for the second half of uh, episode two. So... There's been a couple of things that I've been thinking about wanting to kind of revisit with you guys. Specifically regarding um, IIHF and the article that was just recently put out about the prospect pool rankings. And I thought that was kind of an interesting look at 
the status of the New England Wolfpack franchise. You know, it gave you a real-time, you know, comparative state, comparative situation to some of the other teams in the league. And I think that we stack up quite favorably. Now, the article itself does not show the Wolfpack coming out at number one, admittedly. Um, That honor goes to the Buffalo Stampede, which, you know, on one hand, it's easy to say that because when their team is as deep as what it is, they have to keep these prospects stashed away for longer. So the pipeline builds up a lot faster than, say, you know, my team where I had five rookies come up and make the jump already. So technically, you know, apples to apples, if you compare people in the same draft class, you know, really, you really should be looking at, you know, guys like, um, like Perry Morgan and Guy Zhang and Dick Clapper and all them, because um, those those guys are all in there. Now, I didn't really look at it too deeply. I mean, that very well may be the case that they're on there, but um, I think that may be a, a big difference maker as to why we didn't get the number one spot. But I'm still very pleased with that analysis and, and it coming down to having us in the third place. Now I'm gonna take a look at the uh, I'm gonna take a look at the article real quick. So I can share with you some of the numbers that they were able to come up with. So bear with me one moment. So it says that uh, we had a strong season 47 draft, adding a franchise talent and two elite talents to our pool. You have Gordy Boomhover, who is just at the edge of being a generational talent. And we have a pretty good future ahead of the Wolfpack. We have to consider that the Wolfpack has the most rookies playing in the SHL at the moment, which I kind of just alluded to. So they've got Gordy Boomover at 623 TPE as a franchise talent. Echo Van Otter, 428 TPE, franchise talent. Joseph Larac, 412 TPE, elite talent. Slap McShotty um, is at 409 TPE, which is an elite talent. So as you can tell, we've got a ton of high-level forwards coming up through the pipeline, and I'm excited to see what our offense is going to look like in just a little bit of time here. Um, Thomas Bathory, we all know the story about him. He's not really going to be around long-term, so it shouldn't really count. Um, Boris Poroshenko, probably the steal of the draft, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't until after the draft that I found out that he is uh, Yusuf Sherbluck, who is an old-timer from the league. Um, I actually had the the pleasure of working with his previous player way back when, when I was uh, rolling with Eric Chisling. So very, very pleased to find out that I was able to get the Y man here and into the fold. I think in the long run, this guy's going to be a steal and a half for us. And, and I'm ecstatic to have him on the Wolf Pack. Um, we also have uh, Zach LaLiberté. Um, he's been a little bit of a slower developer. Um, he's a Francophone and English is his second language, but you know, he's a really nice guy. Whenever I have any kind of communication with him, very respectful, he's having a good time. He just wants to, wants to build a player and do it the right way. And I think that, you know, he'll have plenty of time to do that with our team and then with our franchise. And, you know, overall, I think we have a plethora of high end talent and it's only going to get better after this draft that's coming up within the next few weeks. So over to IIHF here, um, you may not know, but Tingle Biddies is one of the um, longer 
termed players that have been with the Austrian team now for a while. Um, started off as a forward, obviously, when he was with the Blizzard. And, you know, things just kind of worked out probably better for Austria than any other place that I needed to make a switch to defense. And now Biddies is the number one D-man for Team Austria. Now, Team Austria, we've been knocking on the door of a good trophy or a good medal for, for quite a while here. We've secured, I think, two bronzes, and then we haven't even medaled a bunch of other times, and we definitely should have. So I think that um, I think this season would probably be the, the season for us to at least get a silver. At least I'm hoping. Because I think between Izzy and I, we've got two of the highest, if not the highest, TPE players in the league still. And you think that with the other depth around us, we should be able to kind of get it done. But I guess that's not always the case. STHS and Simon T always kind of has a little bit of a, a different plan for everything. So I wanted to kind of check back in on a few different things, you know, specific to... So I was just kind of thinking about a few different things about maybe what else we could address here. And I was kind of backpedaling a little bit and stumbling a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to fill up an hour worth of time here? I've only got about a half hour on this. And then I kind of realized, you know, this could be anything SHL related. So, you know, I wanted to kind of think a little bit about, you know, with the amount of growth that our league is seeing today, it's not out of the question for us to maybe see expansion again within the foreseeable future. You know, as it is, I'm going to have a roster full of actives and there's going to be active players that don't have a roster spot within the foreseeable future unless changes are made. So what that tells me is that we have a surplus of talent. So, and if the market isn't to the point where it makes sense to ship them out to gain future assets, then that tells me everyone else is full of talent as well. And that means there's not enough places for these players that are coming into the league to play. So that says, you know, we've got to add some teams. And I think that we kind of learned a few things from this most recent expansion process. Namely, I think that they were probably given a little bit too much in the way of rights towards contacting players and, you know, establishing basically under the table agreements to, okay, well, we won't take you in the expansion draft, but hey, you're an unrestricted free agent. So come sign with us so we can draft someone and get you. I think they got a little bit too much of that kind of freedom there. And uh, I think that that probably will be something that isn't carried over the next one. But I believe that they're probably going to be adding another two teams within the next five or six seasons. And with that said, let's uh, let's throw some wild speculation out there as to maybe some of the, the locations and team names. I have always found that kind of fun. So first off, the team that I think that really would kind of make sense a little bit, and it would kind of screw up the divisional format, so maybe it would even be four-team expansion, just to really kind of spread things out for future growth. Um, so like one team per area. So let's dive right in. I think the first one that I think would be awesome to join us in the Atlantic division would be, let's throw a team in Atlanta. Sure, the Thrashers in real life didn't succeed, but that's because they had a really strange, strange ownership you know, situation. They had like a board of owners where like literally they had like 10 plus owners. No one really had sole direction and, and sole ownership of the team. 
So I think that, you know, a hockey team with the amount of people that live in Atlanta and the amount of snowbirds that live down there, I think the hockey team could be wildly successful if done the right way. So I'd love to see an Atlanta-based SHL team. I will be going to Atlanta in two weeks and I will report back on its uh, ability to be a hockey market. Um, so I think the Atlanta team, you know, they've got like a like a bird theme going on. So they've got like the, the Hawks and the Falcons and all that kind of shit. So let's let's find another bird theme. Sorry, Platoon, you're gonna have to give up the bird thing. You're gonna lose share it. Um, so I think like uh, the Atlanta, um, uh, what do you think? Atlanta, Atlanta, I almost just said another one of their sports teams names. Uh, can't say Eagles because that's weird because it's a football team out of Philadelphia. Uh, let's go with the Atlanta. I'm struggling. We'll have to backpedal on this one and come back. Um, so then let's go to the Great Lakes region. Um, why not do... We've already got the Minnesota Chiefs. We've already got the Chicago. We've already got Toronto. We've already got Buffalo. Um, I'm missing someone. Um, let's go to, I've already got Hamilton, that's the other one, um, Rochester, Rochester, New York, nah, they're too close to Buffalo, back to the drawing board, Columbus, or Cleveland, throw a team in Ohio, they could probably use one, they've got the population, you know, you looked at how well Columbus was doing in the NHL this year, you know, and, and they're close enough to the Great Lakes. I think that would make sense. So don't obviously have to go with like a Blue Jackets theme or anything like that. You can do anything in Columbus. So I'm going to defer to the future GM of the Columbus team on what their franchise should be called. So let's flip over to the West. You know, you've got the Pacific Division and uh, the Central Division, I think. I think that those are what they're called. So Pacific Division... You just moved a team out of Seattle, put another goddamn team in Seattle. You never should have moved a team out of Seattle. That is like the perfect NHL market. There's a reason why the NHL is moving there. So put another team in Seattle and make it the goddamn spirit for all I care and let them use that friggin' logo. It was better than what they've got now. So Seattle spirit, welcome back to the, the SHL. You know, gift your bikes didn't die for you. So you're back. Congratulations. Now, Central. Let's take a look here. This is uh, this is going to be something a little bit more interesting. You know, there was at one point a team based in the Las Vegas area in the SHL. There was the Las Vegas Kings. They have now since actually, I think, become the Seattle Riot, which became the Tampa Bay Barracuda. That fucking team is like, like Johnny Cash's I've Been Everywhere. That team has been based out of literally every place available. Every market that team has been based in. Seriously. Um, so we've got uh, Arizona, which we could look into. Maybe we can give... Uh, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Hey, congratulations. You're going to get your um, Mexico City Screaming Cacti. Welcome to the league, Mexico City. Happy to have you. Um there you go. There we've had our expansion. Four teams. Now let's talk about maybe some of the GMs, huh? So first off, I'm gonna give Crutch the Mexico City screaming cacti just because that's how it's gonna work out. Next off, I'm gonna give 
I'm gonna give Luke TD. I liked working with him in uh, the other league I was in. Um, I'm gonna give him the uh, Columbus-based team. I know he's a big Columbus fan, Matt. So congratulations, Luke. You're now the GM of the Columbus franchise. Um, Atlanta. Hmm. Who are we gonna give Atlanta to? Oh yeah. All right. Um, Chris McZerl, you are now the GM of the Atlanta team. And now finally, the uh, other team that's based out of Seattle. Let's give that to JS. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, let's give that to Stanley. <laughs> just kidding again. Um, I don't know who else would be a good good candidate. Um, Artemis. Artemis. Yeah, let's give Artemis the Seattle Spirit. I know he's been uh, he's been applying for GM spots pretty re- you know recently and regularly. And maybe perhaps this is finally the time that he gets it. So, congratulations to the four new franchises that I have decided upon. And the four new GMs, um, obviously my insight and my recommendation means absolutely nothing. So he actually didn't win anything. So maybe I should take away the congratulations. But I thought that would be kind of a fun little exercise considering it's probably coming sooner than we'd all imagine. And uh, you know, it's, it's frankly quite needed at this point. All right, guys, if you liked my ranting and raving here on Aces Four-Wheel Drive podcast, please make sure that uh, you pop by the thread on the SHL forums. Throw me some questions. As you can see, I'm a disorganized mess. As I drive, I try to focus on the road, and I really can't uh, um, have my brain working on multiple things at once. Maybe it's because I'm a simplistic person. Some would say that. So um, please throw some questions my way. I'd love to kind of share my thoughts and my insights and um love to kind of give you a little bit of feedback on some of the things that I believe are going on in the SHL. So um, I'll, uh, I'll drop a link to that in the post for the media section. And uh, please uh, let me know your thoughts, feedback, criticisms, funny jokes, uh, predictions for the Game of Thrones spinoff shows, all that good stuff. So thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll be back next week.